Hey, good evening, everybody. So uh, it is Thursday night. So here are our two Shilas for this week. Shaila number one. Um, I got a text from a rabbi in California, and it says as follows: It is very popular where I live for men who have an extra ten to fifteen thousand dollars to blow to travel to Mexico, Turkey, or similar locations to get hair transplants. Those who have $40,000 to waste will do it in America. One of the consequences of that surgery is that you can't put anything on your head for about two weeks post-op because it causes the hair follicles to fall out. This makes wearing tefillin a big problem. I would argue it makes getting the surgery a big problem, but okay. This makes wearing tefillin a big problem. Even if you wear tefillin against the doctor's orders, you certainly can't tighten them on the head. Is it mutter to get this surgery? So that is Shailat number one. Shailat number two, from a Rav in Eretz Yisrael, but I think he was asking about a family here in Chutzlar, so we, we must have a Kesher too. And it goes like this. A Balchuva whose mother was Jewish, so he's, he's Jewish, he's a Balchuva. His father had a reform conversion. So the father is presumed not Jewish. Uh, and here's the Shailat that he had. His mom died several years ago and she's buried in the section of the cemetery owned by the Reformed Temple, right? Meaning, they, if you've ever been to a Jewish cemetery, very often they have sections that are uh, owned by, the, by uh, particular shuls. What's the reason for that? They have sections for shuls? Like when you sat next to a guy during davening, so you've got to sit next to him for the rest of eternity also? Like what's the, so the pshat is, or Shatara always points out, that the Mishnah says in Masech Sanhedrin that they had different Pate Kvaros for uh, Niskalin and Nisrafin on the one hand versus Nairagin and Nechnakin on the other hand, depending which Chiv Misa you were Chayv and Bezin, you, you were buried in a different base of Kvaros. Why? Because it's Allah that you're not supposed to bury a Tzadik and a Russia next to each other. So they figure people in the same Kehillah, in the same Shul, are roughly the same level of religious observance. So that's the best estimate, meaning we're not going to be able to measure everybody's tzitzis, you know, to be able to figure out exactly how many mitzvahs and Avedos they did. But you figure in the same basic uh, group, social groups, they have the same basic level of religiosity. So here there's a reform section of a cemetery where mom is buried, and dad's plot is right next to mom's. Uh, now dad just died. Uh, he, the, the, this guy um, who's asking the question does have siblings who are not religious. How hard should he fight to not have dad buried there? What's his concern of having dad buried there? You're not, allowed to marry, you're not allowed to bury a non-Jew next to a Jew. Mom was Jewish. Dad is not Jewish. Now, Dad bought this plot right next to Mom, but Dad's not Jewish. So should he fight for this? If Dad will be buried there, should he just allow the Reform Rabbi to take care of the burial instead of doing it himself? He also wanted to know about saying Kaddish and if he can sit Shiva. Right? Should he sit Shiva during, because it will be a big bizayon, uh if he doesn't sit Shiva? And can he, can he, should he say Kaddish for his father? So that is Shaila number two. So Shaila number one, we have the hair transplants or tefillin. And Shaila number two, mourning and burial of a non-Jewish father. So uh, all those, I guess, Zoomers can vote on Zoom, and all those who would like to discuss hair transplants or tefillin by a show of hands? Well, not so many. All those, I guess we'll have to make that a Tevin Allah if it gets outvoted. All those who would like to discuss mourning and burial for the non-Jewish uh, father? Okay, a few more, and a lot of non-votes over here. Okay, let's see what happens on Zoom. Uh, on Zoom, two, 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 two. Everyone, huh? No one cares about hair transplant. Wow, so interesting. Okay. Can I, I didn't vote. Can I, can I vote now? 
I, I think you're going to lose anyway. <laughs> I think if it's, uh, okay, we're going to put away the air chance. But what, I guess now we know what Monday's Tamin Alech is going to be. Okay, so now let's. Uh, I have to speak a lot faster. So let's let's uh, let's talk about uh, mourning of, uh, and the burial of a non-Jewish father. First of all, what's the status of the kid? What's the status of the guy who's asking the shayla? So we said he's Jewish, um, and his uh, brothers and sisters. Also Jewish, no psul, no nothing, no issue at all. So it's not so pashut, meaning there is a whole discussion. He's Jewish, but there is a whole discussion whether he's a mamzer or not, right? Meaning that's all discussion in the Gemara. Thank God we paskin he's not. The Gemara has two approaches about the child born to a Jewish mother and non-Jewish father. Um, the, uh, there is a daya that the child is a mamzer because it's, uh, it's an usher relationship. And others say, no, the child is, uh, is Jewish and legitimate. Even though we paskin that the child is kosher, uh, the daughter from such a marriage um, might be apsul l'kuhuna. Uh, because if a daughter of a Kohen Gadol and an Almana is not allowed to marry a Kohen, so they argue that Kalvachomer, daughter of a Jewish woman and a non-Jewish man, should be possible to marry a Kohen. Um, because the Isra of uh, being with a non-Jew is much worse than a Kohen uh, than a Kohen Gadol marrying an, an Almana. So maybe the, the daughter would be a Psul Kuna. Okay, so we can get involved in that discussion, and really we should be machmir on that in general, but that's not our issue over here. That wasn't the question, right? The question was about Avelus, it was about saying Kaddish, it was about uh, all of that. So when, when, how does Avelus start? Someone dies, and then what happens? What's the first stage? Aninus. So it's what we call Aninus. Really, it's what uh, the, the Mishnah refers to as Misha Meso Muta Lefanav. There is a word Aninus in the Torah and in the Mishnahis, but that word Aninus is not what we call Aninus. Meaning, uh, an, an, what, what the Mishnahis and the Torah means when it says Aninus means an Avel on the first day, on the very day that the, that the relative died, even after Kavura. Like Lamainaf uh, Kamino, what does it mean that a person is an Onain even after the Kavura on the first day that a relative died? It means that he's not allowed to eat uh, Kachim and Maisersheni and things like that. Right? There are certain restrictions. Um, that you're not allowed to be ochel ba'oni mi menu. That you're not allowed to uh, you're not allowed to eat certain holy foods when one is an onin. That's real aninus. But what we call aninus colloquially is what the Mishnah referred to as misha mesa mutalafanav. Misha mesa mutalafanav means that you have responsibilities for kvura, and because you have responsibilities to take care of the kvura, your putter from all mitzvahs are say, right? Meaning not all mitzvahs, but mitzvahs are say. You're not allowed to eat a ham sandwich or a cheeseburger, right? That's a little say. Sometimes you have tricky mitzvahs to figure out, is it an assay, is it a little say, right? Uh, but, uh, but, but when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to mitzvahs lo say certainly you're chayiv, but you're part of moments say. So what, let's start with Aninus for this guy. Um, is he part of mitzvahs? An account of his father dying and him being involved in the funeral arrangements? So, so is he, does he have a chayiv to be involved in the funeral arrangements? Well, let's even start before that. Is he related to his father? I mean, most of the time, most of the postkin that discuss uh, someone with a non-Jewish father are not talking about this case. Most most posts when they talk about situations of someone um, dealing with a non-Jewish father and being masabal a non-Jewish father, saying kaddish for a non-Jewish father, are talking about what case? What do you think? A convert, right? A ger, a ger converts. Ger shenaskayer is kikatan shenol adami. He's not related to his father at all, and since he's not related to his father at all, they're, not, they're simply not uh, they're not related to each other. Now, uh, in this case also, though, they're not really related to each other. 
So since they're not really related to each other, l'chora he has no even he has no din of aninus or avelus. That certainly no requirement of aninus or avelus. Even though in reality the uh, responsibilities of kavura are falling on his shoulders, so uh, it doesn't doesn't matter. There that that's the Torah from mitzvos. Um, is, uh, is, is for anyone who happens to be osake in a mitzvah or for an onen. This guy's not an onen, and uh, he has the wherewithal, the ability to do, uh, to do mitzvahs. Um, and in addition to that, it's not so possible that there's a mitzvah at all to bury his father. His father's not Jewish, meaning the mitzvah of kavura, the halacha is that uh, that Mesei Yisrael require kavura. Mesei Akum, non-Jewish dead bodies, don't even really require kavura. Now, having said that, the Gemara says that we're cover Mesei Akum in Mesei Yisrael, that we bury Mesei Akum just like we bury Mesei Yisrael, mipnei darkei shalom. Because if we were to just discard bodies of, uh, of, of non-Jews, it would be uh, terrible... Um, Bizayon, uh, and it would be not nice. And therefore, we uh, same way we we do a lot of things. We're mefarnesin aniye akum im aniye Yisrael, but it's not the core mitzvah of tzedakah. It's just meplei darkei shalom. So this is also meplei darkei shalom. So now, uh, what about avelus? So uh, the halacha of a ger um, being misabel for appearance is as follows. The Rambam writes in the second paragraph of Hilchos Avelus, beno o achiv abamina shivcha umin hanachris. If let's say you have a, not you, let's say someone has a son or a sibling that the mother is a nachris. So you're not mesabal on that son or that sibling at all. Now over here we're going the opposite direction. It's a father, right? But the point is that it's a non-Jewish uh, relative. That's the Ramam. This Paskin shall knock in your desk, Mishina and Dalit Sif. Hey, Hagershin, Skyer, who, Ubanavo, Evishin, Shakra, who, Vimo, if a family converts together, Ain Miss Ablum Zelza. Wow, if a family converts together, they're not Miss Abel, because even if they're all Jewish in the end of the day, they may all be Jewish, but they're not related to each other, because the Gershin Skyers can cut on Shnolan. And that's what. Um, that's what the Ramah adds over there. Ruhadin Gershin Skyer Im Imo. If a ger converts together with his mom, Ain Misabel Alehem, then you are not Misabel. However, however, not so fast. There is a din quoted by the Rambam in Hilchas Mamrin that a ger has to be Nohig Miktsas Kavod on his parents. Meaning there is no din of Kibbal Aveim if the parent is not really your parent, right? If the parent's not really related to you. But the Ram writes, you have to be knowing miktsas kavod. There's got to be some amount of kavod that is shown to his, uh, to his parents. Shelo yomru kala. Because if not, people are going to say, well, wait a second. When he was a guy and his father was a guy, he honored him. And now that he converted, he becomes potter from mitzvahs. He downgraded his religious observance now that he converted. That would be awful. So we don't want people to say that. So based on that, Rav Efrati published a tshuva. Who is Rav Efrati? Just curious if you guys know who Rav Efrati is. So um, back in the day when uh, Rav Yashiv was the Posek Adar, when Rav Yashiv was around, 
uh, it was Yodua that his right hand man, like his most, uh, his first lieutenant, you know, was Rav Efrati. Rav Efrati is a big, big tabulka. Not like the kind, I don't mean when I say right hand man, like the guy who, like, you know, decides who to let in for a bracha and, you know, like, I mean, like the person he's talked to in learning, you know, like the person that, Rav Efrati is a big, big tabulka. I believe he's an alumnus of Yeshiva Karim Biavne. Um, I also believe he doesn't advertise that, but uh, but uh, the, the uh, sort of a frati um, has a has a tshuva where uh, in tshuvas Yisa Yosef where he quotes from Rav Yashiv Amnam im havi hager hino Yehudi vager mevakish mitzadarke kavod leishiv shiva ein that if the father of the ger has also converted, he's now a Jew, or he hasn't converted, but the mom was not Jewish, but now, you know, so the ger, the father of the ger is a Jew, you don't, you don't prevent him from sitting shiva. Ooh, he says, but uh, you should make sure that while you're sitting shiva, that you're not being mevatel any mitzvah that you would otherwise be obligated in. Normally, when a person is sitting shiva, they absolutely are uh, pater from certain mitzvahs. What mitzvahs are they pater from normally when they're sitting shiva? Not many, but what, what mitzvahs are you pater from when you're sitting shiva? Most prominently, Talmud Torah, right? Talmud Torah is the big one, right? Uh, 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 an avel is pater from Talmud Torah. Um, uh, also, an avel biyom rishon is pater from tefillin. Right, so on, on day one, I guess that would bridge the two shayvos. Right? So uh, he should get the surgery on the day that uh, he kills his father. Okay, so an avil biyom rishon is pater from uh, is pater from tefillin. So you don't have any of those peturim, says Rav Yashiv. But he saw that if the father's a Jew, ulam kisha aviv goy lo yeshiv shiva gam lo midarke kavod shouldn't sit shiva even midarke kavod no shiva. So that is the position that Rav Prati quotes from Rav Yashiv. Now, Rav Yaakov Ariel in Chuvas Allah Shal Torah Chelik Aleph Simen Samach writes that even if a father is not Jewish, it is appropriate to express tsar. And he goes to, so far as to say that maybe you could be knowing certain avelus on him, just like you'd be knowing avelus on a rebbe. What? A rebbe? Is a on a, a Rebbe, this guy's a guy. What do you mean, on a Rebbe? What is that, what's, what's that about? So he writes, Mivchinas ha'alacha, eina ben chayiv l'shev shiva alav of a guy. Obviously, la'alacha, you don't have to sit shiva on a guy. Alav shu chayiv l'nevrom mixes kavod, even though the Ram says you've got to have mixes kavod. Miu yesh l'adunim yesh la'avzeh maimadom l'sas l'rabo. What a chiddish. Rabbi Yaakov Ariel says, but maybe your father who raised you, even though he's not Jewish, has a little bit of a din of your Rebbe. Because it's only through him that you were able to uh, be a normal person who is now able to do Torah mitzvahs. So you're allowed to do certain for a Rebbe. You could do all the Dine Avelos for, uh, for the day of the Misa. You could do Kriya. Because people do Kriya on, 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 their, on their Rebbe when they die. I remember when uh, Rav Henoch Leibowitz passed away. So I think they, they uh, had all the Chavetz Chaim branches throughout the world. They had all the Talmidim uh, tear Kriya because he had a din of Rabbi Mufak. Rabbi Shai Shachter told me that when Rav Salvechik passed away, uh, Rav Shachter tore Kriya and had his children, had his sons. Uh, also, I don't think his daughters, I'm not sure. But uh, he said he remembers Yosef Arya and Yami. I think uh, Shai was still a little kid. Or was he born? 
No, yeah, he was born. He's over thirty, but uh, but he was just a little kid at the time. But um, it was just Rav's thirtieth year. So it just took me a little while to do the math there. Um, but uh, but he said Rav Shakta had them tear kriya because he tear kriya on a rebbe also. Rabbi Yaakov Ariel says, "I know your kasha. Your Rebbe is Jewish, you know, and the uh, and and your father. This guy's father's a guy." What's the din of Rebbe? The din of Rebbe is anyone who brings you into Olam Haba deserves recognition and honor. So therefore, the uh, the 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 uh, entire distinction being Yisrael Amim, even with the distinction being Yisrael Amim, Gam of Goy Roy LaRacha B'Midi Yudua. Then he says, and the Birke Yosef raises a suffix, the Chida and Birke Yosef in Ardeus and Reishman Beis, maybe even just your olive based Rabbi, you should be Noe Gavelus. And he quotes from Radvaz, that you're not Chayiv to be Noe Kavod, but the Chida says, yes, you are, even just for an olive based Rabbi. So he says, uh, so if your father raised you, and he raised you to be a normal person, and he raised you to be a. Um, he raised you to be a, uh, a, a, a thinking person and a moral person, so that's what led you to a whole life of Torah mitzvahs. That's what opened you up to the possibility of observing Torah mitzvahs. And uh, therefore, um, you should be knowing kavod. That, that is quite a chiddush, uh, that a goy can be your rabbi. It reminds me of the famous Noah Weinberg story. You know the story with the, uh, the, Catholic, the head of the Catholic school? You know this? You know the story? It's a crazy story. I, they say it's a true story, and it... I don't know if it's a true story, but I know this, that if it's true about anyone, it's true about Rav Noah Weinberg. <laughs> right? so, so the story goes like this. There was a kid, this might take up the rest of our time, there, there was a kid uh, who came from a non-religious home, and his parents didn't like the public school system where they were, so they sent him to a private Catholic school, because that was the only school that was available to them. So that was uh, where there wasn't drugs and whatever and other things. So they sent him to the school. On the first day of school, the principal comes in and calls him out of, of, of class. His name was like Goldstein or something. He was obviously Jewish. And the principal's father or whatever, father of Flanagan, I don't know. And he takes him out of class and he uh, says, are you Jewish? And the kid says, yes. And he says, every Thursday I need you to come to my office for an hour. And he would come every Thursday for an hour. And the, the priest would teach him, uh, first, in ninth grade, he taught him olive base. In 10th grade, he started teaching him Chumash. 11th grade, he taught him Mishnayis. And then after 11th grade, he said, that's as far as I know. I can't teach you more. But you should go to a yeshiva and tell them that you want to learn Talmud also. And sure enough, he went to a yeshiva. He said, I would like to learn Talmud. And uh, he ended up, he ended up uh, becoming uh, religious and uh, Talmud Chacham, etc. So uh, he went back to, you know, to, to, to his Rebbe. And he said, uh, Rebbe, Father, um, why on earth were you teaching me? And how do you know this stuff? And he said, well, uh, many years ago, I took a sabbatical. And I went to the Holy Land. And everyone told me, you got to go to the Kotel on Friday night. So I went to the Kotel on Friday night, but I, you know, put, you know, I didn't, didn't wear my collar or anything. I just went to the Kotel. And there was this guy there that was like, okay, you five, go to that address. You go there. And was like sending people to different homes to eat dinner. And I was like, okay. So I went along to one of these homes. And they had like this most amazing food. And they invited me back the next day. And then they said, oh, you got to come. We're going to uh, Rav Noah Weinberg. You could eat here, but only on condition that you go to Rav Noah Weinberg Shir and Eshat Torah. So he went to Rav Noah Weinberg Shir. And he was like very taken by him. And he's got this whole year off. So he decided to go learn Eshat Torah for the year. And he was doing really well. And he learned a lot of uh, Mikra and Mishnah, not yet Talmud. And uh, he, uh, he said to Rav Noah Weinberg, okay, you know, I'm out of here. After 
several months learning there. And Rav Noah Weinberg said, why, why are you leaving? You're doing so well. He said, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. And Rav Noah Weinberg said, what? You're not, you're not Jewish? He said, I'm not mochel you. How could you do that to me? How could you, you know, the, what Kinevistas said is, it's awful. And the guy said, I'm sorry, but it was so enthralling. And, you know, it was like, it was so interesting. So uh, Rav Noah Weinberg said, I will not be mochel you unless you find a Jew wherever you live and you teach everything that I taught you to that Jew. And the guy was waiting. He uh, he was waiting for a Jew to come along, and he uh, and he he finally found a Jew. So he was able to, to teach it. So you talk about a Rebbe who could be a non-Jew. I guess that person has a Rebbe who's a non-Jew. You never heard that story? It's, uh, it's, uh, you have heard it. Yeah, I think it's in the biography. I think it's in the Rav Noach uh, biography, which. Uh, uh, what's his name? Wrote Rabbi um, Jonathan Rosenblum wrote that uh, the biography, and he did a lot of research. I have to check. I think it might be. It might be. It might be in the biography. Anyway, so, so, but it's a it's a big chiddush what uh, what Rav Ariel is saying that the guy has a din of a rabbi, and then you could be knowing avelus. I don't know. I asked Rishachta what he thought. He said, "Yeah, yeah do a fake avelus, meaning uh, you could always sit down and talk to people." So okay, let him sit on a low chair and have people come over and talk about the talk about the. That's fine. You can do that. Meaning, you obviously can't be part of mitzvahs. You're going to put on tefillin on Yom Rishon. You're going to be chayvin Talmud Torah whenever there aren't menachemin. You know, you should still keep up with the daf and the shnai mikra and everything else. But uh, you know, but uh, but but you could do a fake avilus. What about kaddish? So where does kaddish even come from? So the earliest source for kaddish yasam. Uh, seems to be a passage in Masech Sofran where they talk about someone saying Kaddish at the very end of davening. Um, but the common practice of uh, of of, uh, of this being done all the time that an Ovel says Kaddish only began like in the in, in the Middle Ages. In the Beis Yosef writes in some Shinai and Vav he quotes an Arzarua, um, quotes in Masechus Kalarabasi, uh, where where a very dejected the story was that there was a very dejected and distressed person who visited Rabbi Akiva and the person. Was schlepping wood somewhere, and uh, Rabbi Kiva said, who are you? And the guy says, well, I've been dead for many years, but I've been suffering terribly in the Eilam Ha'emes because of my Averos, and the man told Rabbi Akiva, I've been forced to chop wood for a fire that I'm burnt in every day, meaning that's my punishment in the Eilam uh, Ha'emes. Every day I chop wood all day, then they make a big bonfire and they chuck me in the fire every day. That's my, uh, that's my punishment. So Rabbi Akiva said, is there any way I can help you? So the guy said, well, um, I, I, I heard that if I only I had left the son who would stand in front of the seaboard and say Baruch which would cause everyone else to say Baruch Hashem Baruch or say Yiskadal Yiskadash, that would make everyone else say Yehishmei Rabbah, then I'd be released from the punishment. So the man uh, went on to inform Rabbi Kiva that I never had a son, but I left a pregnant wife behind. And he said, but uh, my wife is pregnant with a boy, but there's not going to be anyone there to teach him. So uh, Rabbi Akiva said, I'll teach him. And he took it upon himself to teach the child, and he taught him to say Baruchu and Kaddish, and the man was finally spared the judgment of Gehenim. And that is Beis Yosef in the name of the Urzerua, that story. So the Ramah writes in Yerodeah, the Simashin Ayin Vav Sivdalid, that therefore Nimtzah B'midrash Aslomar Kaddish Alav, that the minig is to say Kaddish, to get the Haftorah uh, every week, to, to lay the Haftorah throughout the Yud Beis Chodesh. Most people are much more makvid about the Kaddish than they are about getting the Haftorah every week, about doing Maftir every week. I think Seth Grossman told me that when he was, you know Seth Grossman, and he and his wife call the people here and play ball with them. 
guy's got to know stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, you know, so okay, because if he hears this, he would be very insulted if he finds out that a chaver from YU does not know him. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway, uh, he told me that when he was in uh, his Yud Beis Chodesh, he was makbid to, to do maftir every single week, and he uh, he found shuls where there was no other chiyuv, and he negotiated with people, and you know, like he was makbid to do whatever. Most people are not as makbid. Uspal arvis motzai shabbosel shuazman shuchosman shams ganim, and to daven mara for anamud on motzai shabbos because that's when the shams go back to ganim. Ukshaben mespal makadish barabim poda avu viimo mina ganim, and therefore your poda your one is poda the parents from ganim through that. So it seems that the need for Kaddish is only if a parent is suffering in Gehenim. That's why Moreno Rav Shechter has said that he never got too nervous about missing a Kaddish when he was in his year of Avelis. He said he would go on planes to Israel even though he knew that he wouldn't be dominating the minion and he'd miss a Kaddish because he knew that his parents were tzaddik and they're not in Gehenim anyway. So they don't really need the Kaddish. It's just, you know, uh, it's just extra. Um, however, there are Makoros, um, Rav Gavriel Sinner quotes in Nitei Gavriel, he quotes Makoros that say that it's not just to be pulled from Gehenim, it also elevates in Ganeidan, which makes it more palatable to people, even though the major Makoros don't really say that. Meaning, like, if you tell someone you're saying Kaddish because uh, to, to redeem your parents from Gehenim, I, I know there's, uh, I have a, a very good friend who really struggled with that. He said, my mom was the greatest person I knew. Uh, what am I saying Kaddish for? Like, there's no way. I feel that it's disrespectful to say Kaddish for 11. He did it, because that's what he's got to do, but like he just had it was it so pained him that that the purpose of this is to be, to to take her out of Gehenim. He said, if she's in Gehenim, then there's no one in the other place. You know, like uh, so. Okay, first of all, we should all have such. That's by the way. That's that's the ultimate um, fulfillment of Kibbutz Adai. The Chachmas Adam writes that a person is supposed to be mechabed of a viimo bedibor b'maisa u'b'machshava. How are you mechabed machshava? So he says machshava keitzad. That you should think of your parents as gedolei olam. That a person should view their parents as uh, as 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 gedolim, regardless of whether other people view your parents that way. You should think of them as gedolim. You should view them in such in such a light. Um, it happens to be I know this guy's mother. She was quite a special person. So like it, was, it wasn't such a leap, you know, for for uh, for him. But uh, but nevertheless, now the arguments for and against saying Kaddish for a Nachri, right? What about for a non-Jew? So the Rambam, Hilchasi Surabiya, sounds like Olam Haba is only for Jews. The Ram writes, that when a ger comes to Megar, you tell him, that you should know that Olam uh, Haba is only for Tzadikim, Jewish Tzadikim. On the other hand, same author, Rambam and Hilchas Malachim, Perechas Alachi Aleph, Anyone who performs Shev Mitzvot is Mechasid Yomasolam. So hard to say that there's no Olam Haba. Um, now, therefore, it's possible that uh, saying Kaddish for a Nachri is going to help the Nachri. Sefer Chasidim says that if there's a good Nachri who's done good things for the Jewish people, then you should be mivakish me'akodesh baruch sheyakel al dino. You should ask Hashem to be mekel on his din. But if it's a nachri ra, then you shouldn't do it. Rav Yosef Engel in Kiddushin Daf Lamed Aleph and Beis. Kiddushin Daf Lamed Aleph and Beis, where the Gemara says that mechavdo bilchayav mechavdo b'moso, that you honor a parent while they're alive and after they die. 
So normally the Gemara says, Bimoso Ketzad, how do you honor a parent after they die? You can't uh, help them out anymore because they don't have any physical needs. So the Gemara says that you say, Hareni Kaparis Mishkavo, or Zokrana Levracha, you speak of them in reverential terms. That's how you honor them. Says and you say Kaddish. When you say Kaddish, that's a form of Kibar Avla Achimoso. Ooh, so now we put it all together. If saying Kaddish is a form of Kibar Avla Achimoso, and a ger or a, uh, a Jew who has a father who's a non-Jew has to be mechabdo b'miktsas. You do have some level, some miktsas kibba that you need to show in order not to make it look like you went from a kedusha kala to from a kedusha chamura to a kedusha kala. So then it will turn out that there's nothing wrong with saying kaddish for a non-Jewish uh, parent. So in the sefer tziyune halacha on avelos, they have a short shuvah from Rabbi Yashiv, and he says. Um, they asked him, can you the person say Kaddish for a non-Jewish parent? He says, I don't think it will help anything. It can't hurt, but it can't help either. So he says, if it makes the person feel better to tell him he can say Kaddish, you can tell him to say Kaddish, but it's, uh, it's not going to do anything. However, however, um, uh, Rav Avadya has the most famous truth on the topic, in Yechavdas Chilagvav Simen Samach, and he is the most encouraging of saying Kaddish for a non-Jewish parent. He says, uh, um, you should daven, you should daven for him. Um, the, uh, the, and, uh, and then he says, um, he quotes Sefer Hasidim, but in the end of the day, he says that you could say, uh, and he, he quotes the Tshuva Zakan Aron, he says that, Rashi Lomar Kaddish li'iloi nishmas aviv hanachri elashein chiyuv b'davar. That you're allowed to say Kaddish for, for a nachri parent, it's just that there's no chiyuv. And he says, if it appears like a davar tamua l'rabim, to say the Kaddish, maybe you shouldn't. But he says, l'didon shakolom Kaddish b'yachad, v'enuk p'gev b'zuchusum shalacherim, nearly barashein l'mnoam e'agert tzedek, l'omar ashkava v'kaddish l'spali l'nishmas v'shalavim. So Ravadi says, why not? It's not like you're going to cost someone else the Kaddish. Everyone says the Kaddish. And, you know, there are five Avelim saying Kaddish in the Shul, ten Avelim. So why not? So you might as well. And therefore, the Lachar, there's nothing wrong with saying Kaddish. Oh, we didn't get to the main Shiloh, which is the burial. Uh, okay, so I'll tell you the bottom line, at least. You're not allowed to bury a Jew next to a non-Jew. The guy should not participate in the burial. If he was the only child, Rav Shechta said he shouldn't bury him uh, in the plot that he bought. He should bury him somewhere else. But because he has siblings and he's not in control of everything, uh, the siblings are ultimately going to decide where the person uh, gets buried, and he should just not be involved in the burial. Rav Moshe has a tshuva, Rav Shechter did not quote, but Rav Moshe has a tshuva in Yerdeh about an exact same case. A guy had a reform conversion, and they wanted to know, can they bury him next to uh, Jewish people? And Rav Moshe said to the rabbi in Canton, Ohio, he said, just tell the from people in the community they shouldn't. They should pick plots that are much more carefully chosen, but don't make a big fight about it because it's a, you know all the people that we bury next to are not the biggest tzaddikim anyway. Meaning, obviously, these are people that aren't uh, observant anyway. So he said, if you can, you should bury them separately, but uh, you can't make a make huge. It's not worth making huge fights about. So at the end of the day, Rav Shach said the guy should do a fake avelus. He's not part of many mitzvahs. He can say Kaddish as per Rav Vadya, and if he's in control of the Kavuri, he should find an area where only Nachram are buried and bury the father there. If he has siblings who not, aren't going to let him do it, then there's nothing he can do, and he probably shouldn't be involved. Okay, everyone have a great Shabbos and a great week. Um, 
I think last week might next week might be our last uh, our last Rabbi's desk share of the semester. Ooh. Okay. I don't know, but